Hey mamas, it's time to rise and grind. It's me, Brittany, and I'm back with Christian Mom Uncensored, the podcast where I dive into all the real, raw, unfiltered mommy struggles and all the things from marriage to raising babies to making decisions to leaps of faith to trials and tribulations, you know it all. Thanks so much for stopping by this Thursday. Welcome to Christian Mom Uncensored. So I first want to say thanks guys for jumping in and listening to this week's episode. I know it's a late release as in it's late in the day for it to come out, but it is Thursday. So at least it's out. Last week, I was definitely in the middle of mom struggles. Didn't know what day of the week it was. Don't think I released an episode. And it was like election week. And there was so much going on with the election and COVID that mentally I just had to turn everything off. So we are back with an episode this week. And we will have an episode next week. And let's get to it. Are you a criticizer and I mean like sometimes you have to self-reflect and realize that you're the negative Nancy or Nellie and that you're always criticizing we are all fatigued I think as a nation as a country as mamas we are fatigued and I want to talk about something that I have struggled with in the past but um Ethan has really helped me come around to this whole different idea and it is the idea of earning time for yourself so I have no idea where this started for for me but I am somebody who ever since maybe college maybe even high school have found ways to be self-motivated which is why you know for the most part I would say that I'm a success like I look at my friend group we're not supposed to compare but I, I say okay I'm like on the same level as some, and you know, so that means I'm doing some things right, right? But um, being self motivated, I have always been the type of person who earns things. Um, if I want to buy a new outfit, I have to earn it. If I want to take a bubble bath, I have to earn it. And as moms, I don't know if you guys do this, but I will definitely do this where it's like, if I need time for myself, 30 minutes, an hour, 45 minutes, whatever the time may be, um, a trip to the salon, I typically have to earn it. And it's in a way, it's a a good self-motivating tool for those who are um, like struggling to meet goals. So back when I was on a fitness journey a long time ago, I'm talking the beginning of the year before I was pregnant. Um... I had this cool planner that was just a three-month planner and you just tracked your progress and goals and then you could pick your reward for each month and then at the end of three months what is your big reward for you know sticking to plan things like that typically work for me because I am a stuff person as bad as that sounds um one of my love language is gift giving and honestly gift receiving so um and that stems from my childhood for sure. Not a bad thing. Um, everyone knows it about me. It's fine. But when it comes to taking care of our mental health and this COVID world and in our everyday life, some of our pre-COVID habits 
aren't going to give us good mental health during COVID times. And one of the things for me is earning things isn't really going to to help me during COVID. And I'm going to kind of explain that and talk about some other things and also talk about um, childhood and just some stuff. So let's get to it. So anyway, talking about having to earn things and how that worked pre-COVID. So I realized that right now, because of COVID, my mental state is a little more fragile than I thought. I have been taking everything in stride, right? Um, got pregnant. Mom can't come to the delivery. Take it in stride. Um, you know, my family, no one has held the baby yet. Take it in stride. But yesterday, I was watching the news, and um, we were just getting updates in our state as a surge of COVID cases happens, and we knew there was going to be a second wave that most likely came around this time. If you just look at the trends, we know the virus does better in colder weather, as in like it thrives more in, in warmer weather. It's... um a little less thriving, like the summer months, our numbers were pretty good. So as I'm watching this, depression kind of sinks in because I remember how I was at the very beginning of COVID and how I didn't see anyone for any reason, not even my mom. And, you know, the reality is that family gatherings is where a lot of these cases are coming from. So, okay, not to depress you guys, but I'm saying I realized that COVID has really made me upset. And I was thinking about it because I've seen my grandparents, um, you know, a couple different times throughout this whole pandemic, but we're typically masks. We're not giving hugs. It's different. And for me, I was thinking, I just want to hug my grandparents. Um, like I hug my parents still, and that's good. But like, I just miss hugging my family when I see them. And, um, that's hard. And honestly, right, like even just thinking about it right now, I'm getting emotional. So anyway, going back to <laughs> this pre-COVID thing, um, sometimes, especially now during COVID, the the means I would, the way I would do things was fine when, when men- mental health was thriving. But in the winter months and the darker months, and I do tend to get blue in the winter, um, like sad, not the color, like get a little down, um, the self-motivating tool of earning the things that I want might not really be effective for the next, you know, six months. So I don't know if you guys have habits that you realized were really good for you outside of COVID, but aren't good for you during COVID, but it's a good time to kind of stop and think. Um, Maybe you were like all keto and maybe, I mean, you shouldn't, keto is not sustainable over a long period of time. It's not good for your body, but, um, Whatever the thing was that was good for you might not be good for you now. I remember going to karaoke. That was a huge stress relief. I remember um, just this idea of earning my time. And I feel like I want to talk about it for a minute because a lot of moms, or at least a couple moms I know, feel the same way of like having to earn time. And like my baby's about to wake up as I say this. Okay. So as a self-motivator, um, like I said before, what, no matter what I want, like I want some new outfits and it's necessary. Like my body is changing things. It's winter. I threw out all my winter clothes last when we moved. Um, 
or uh, time to like just straighten my hair. Time to take a shower, that's more than five minutes. Um, I feel like I have to earn it. Like, did I do the dishes? And I do this with everything in my life. It's become so habitual that if I'm going to drink a cup of coffee, then I need to drink two 64-ounce you know, things of water or two 32-ounce things of water to offset the coffee. Um, if we're going to eat out for dinner, then we, I need to have salad for lunch and like things like that, where it's become so ingrained where sometimes um, you just need to do what you need to do. Sometimes you just need to buy the outfit because you want it. Sometimes you just need to have a cup of coffee. Yes, the water thing is really good and I'm very good about drinking water, but it's so like um, habitual. Um, and as mamas, sometimes we feel like, well, I didn't take my kid to the park, so I don't get to take a bubble bath. I've, I've been that mom and it's like not healthy, especially now when we are needing time for ourselves because we are constantly with our kids and our families in like five minutes where you're not being touched. I realized I was touched out the other day. Like, please nobody touch me. (laughs) I've been holding a baby all day. Mia's been touching me all day. Like, stop everyone stop touching me um so I think this just as we go into the winter months that it's important to take time for our mental health and also to come up with things to that will bring us joy a lot of people are starting to watch Christmas movies now and it's a little early for that a lot of people have put up their Christmas trees it's a little early for that but it's been a hard year it's you've got to do whatever's going to make you happy So as we've been kind of quarantined, there's a lot of adjustments that have kind of had to go on in my life in this year. And I'm sure it's the same for everyone, whether it's um, now you're working from home or your kids are virtually learning and now we all have to wear masks. Everyone, please wear a mask. I don't care where you live. It's necessary. Um, But one of the things that has been like a constant struggle or constant fight that you kind of that's kind of gone on in my house and it takes like some some learning um I'm gonna call it COVID uh growing pains is how to handle your house when you're with your spouse 24 7 and honestly I'm not with my spouse 24 7 he is um primarily in the basement working most of the day so I only really see him in the evenings for an extended period of time like obviously he comes upstairs for lunch he might come upstairs to grab a shower come upstairs to grab Mia for me um but we're not like hanging out together all day but there is still kind of the the idea that yeah we are in the same space um 24 hours seven days a week and we've been doing this for like eight months um so with that I'm sure there's challenges in anyone's marriage when it comes to COVID because of this. Um, And I will say that it's taken us time to learn how we are and to accept some things and to, to let go of some things and to not be so anal and like a whole bunch of things. So let me get into that. So... The first thing that you have that happens in COVID is all of a sudden you see your spouse at work, which you might not have ever done. You might unless you guys work together. You see their work personality, and it's kind of funny. Like, who are you? Um, 
<laughs> like, oh, you handle things pretty well. Not that I don't think he could. I just, it's funny to see um, in action. But also, you realize that you guys kind of do your days differently and you have to kind of make new rules and set new guidelines for day-to-day living or else life is a disaster. So um, I'm like a structured person. I like to create schedules, make schedules. You guys know this. And my husband is not. The other thing is I like to tackle things on as they come into my brain right away. No procrastinating. I did all my procrastinating in college with writing papers and I'm done doing it now as an adult. So if I see the dishes need to be done, I want them done now. If I see the floor has to be vacuumed, I want to vacuum now. If I see the trash needs to go out, especially the trash, I want it taken out now. I don't want it in 30 minutes, half an hour, an hour at your lunch break. I want it now. And it's, I guess I am kind of an instant gratification person for sure. Um, definitely Amazon feeds into that because it's like, mm, boom, drone drops it off the next day. Oh, baby boy. We're dealing with like some reflux over here with this newborn because I have like a strong supply and it's a little challenging. Uh, that was a side note about breastfeeding. But um, my husband is somebody who could wait until the weekend to do everything or can wait until the evening to do everything. And I don't like to look at the mess. I don't like to see it. And if it's there... So we've kind of had to compromise on things that can wait and things that can. For instance, fine, I get it. We're going to make dishes all day. We can load the dishwasher at the end of the day. It's hard for either of us to stop and do it midday. Um, Trash, you know, if you take that out in the morning, then I won't be bugging you. Plus, then I'll have, you know, a place to throw things away. Um, And it's been kind of like those compromises. The other thing that I've realized is that Now that I am not working and my husband is working, what we kind of expect to do with our off time is different. So when I say off time, I mean when it's the weekend, because all of a sudden when you're like a stay-at-home mom, um, you realize there is no downtime. You're always momming, which is fine and good, great, well, and fine. You know, I've been praying for this for two years now, but... um, for like a year and a half now, but it's just different. So for instance, last weekend, um, maybe it wasn't last weekend, maybe it was the other day, Mia was away um, with my mom and my grandma outside at this garden, and that's fun. So we only had Elliot. So that meant that the day was going to be easier, we we're going to organize our lives, and um, it was Monday, and Ethan had taken off work because we had to take Elliot to the doctor's appointment. And I was thinking, you know, we had talked earlier in the weekend and about like getting things organized. And he said, well, I'll deal with it Monday. I'm off. Here comes Monday. And he doesn't want to do it. And I'm like, no, no, no. You went and helped our friend out. You, you know, I gave you the whole weekend off. Like, no, we're getting this done. And so he cleans and cleans and cleans and does all the things I say. And when he's done, he, like, wants to go downstairs and play on the Xbox. And I am thinking, now's a great time for us to start a show together, for us to hang out. Like, typically, you're working. You don't get to see Elliot as much because he's, like, always with me. 
um, and our expectations were different. And he just wanted to go play whatever game he wanted to play. And I just wanted um, us to hang out. And so it was interesting because we just had kind of different expectations of, you know, what do we do today? What do we and I was looking for time and he was looking for space. And I think he, you just have to be able to communicate like, hey, I'd like us to watch a movie. Or, hey, why don't we show, start a show this evening? And I've realized that if I want us to do something together, um, you know, not just I go upstairs and he goes to the basement and plays video games. And I go lay upstairs in bed with Elliot and maybe I go to sleep or not. Um, I have to articulate it. And so what COVID has kind of forced upon us is to learn how to communicate and like which ways to communicate with my spouse where before when we were both working out of the house you know I say do this this or that like he's going to get it done because he has to leave and get to work the next day but now that we're always home you know there is literally always the next day to do something and um and wanting to spend time together and realizing that you know I know how stressful it is to work from home. I know how hard it is to do like a technical job. I know um, how stressful it is to do it with kids. And so I can acknowledge like if his wind down time, you know, on the weekend is he needs two to four hours to himself to play. That's fine. But um, I wanted him to realize that I don't get two to four hours to myself to do X, Y, and Z, to play, to to read, to walk. I get 30 minutes or 10 minutes to myself, and that's like a treat. So COVID has really um, just made us communicate, like, or has taught me how to communicate with him. Um, if I want things to get done, I need to send him a text, and it needs to be in a list, and um, it, it needs to have a deadline. So, for instance, earlier this week, I sent him basically what I would like to get done Monday through Friday. So like on Monday, I need you to organize, take out the trash cans because on Tuesday morning, the trash comes on Tuesday. I need you to start linens. And you might be wondering, why am I asking him to do all of this different housework? Like I'm at home with the kids finally. Let me just comment on that because people think stay at home moms do nothing. And um, I was commiserating with a friend about that earlier this week where when you have kids, your arms are full. And when you're breastfeeding, your arms are full. Um, yes, Elliot does sleep for two-hour stretches, um, sometimes an hour stretch during the day. Um, I'm trying to get his schedule better for nighttime. Um, he's only three weeks old, though, so it's going to be a process. But when you are doing the kids, a lot of times you barely have time to stop and feed yourself, let alone run the dishwasher, let alone you know, start the laundry. Whereas when I was working and like the days Mia would go to my grandmother's and before Elliot was born, I could work and then stop for a minute, throw in some laundry, keep working, stop for a minute, load the dishwasher, keep working, stop for a minute and make a snack. Like I know the difference (laughs) and it's definitely harder to just, to just mom. Um, and so, whereas since he's working he has the opportunity to throw in the dishwasher. And also to not to mention that I'm the one who's up all night. Um, a lot of people are like, just make Elliot a bottle and let Ethan take a feeding. Well, then I would have to pump because then my 
milk would get too full or eventually it would regulate so that he takes a bottle, but I don't want to do that. Um, I'm really, when I say exclusively breastfeeding, I mean exclusively breastfeeding, rarely getting a bottle. Um, it's just easier that way. So for me, my sleep is the one that is interrupted every hour and a half to feed. Because if you think you're supposed to feed your baby two hours after the start of your feeding, not when it ends. So if he eats for 20 minutes, takes 10 minutes to go back down, you know, I have to take a minute to fall back asleep. An hour and a half later, I'm up again to feed him. So my sleep is so broken up that during the day, if I, if he's asleep and I get a chance to sleep, I'm sleeping. So um, anyway, I, I'm, I'm thankful that I do have a a partner and a spouse who's willing to say, hey, you know, I realize that this is hard. I'll do what I can. And, you know, you do what you can. And what I can do right now is pretty limited to just keeping the kids and myself alive. So anyway, it takes two to make a baby. It takes two to raise a baby. It takes two to survive in the newborn stages and however that looks. But another topic that I was talking to a friend about was how do you um, make decisions when you and your partner don't agree? Or if you guys aren't together, especially if you guys are not together anymore, whether it's like a divorce situation or something like that, um, in your co-parenting, how do you make decisions around your kid when you and your partner don't agree? And obviously the, the generic and simple advice is to sit down and have a conversation and um, if something's really important to one party, give in to that one party. If something's really important to the other party, give in to that party. That's general advice. Like, for instance, if it's really important for me that outside of COVID that Mia attends church every Sunday, but it's not as important to my husband if she attends church every Sunday and she, he thinks that she should have, you know, off weeks and I think that every week should be an on week, well, in that conversation... He would just say, fine, take her every week because it's what would be important to me. But what do you do when it's things like religion? I know this is a Christian mom podcast, but I know families that are like have mixed um, like the husband and the wife or the, you know, the mom and the dad, whoever the parents are, have two different religions. And how do you go about that or making decisions about school? Uh, should your kid go in person? or not? How do you feel about that? Uh, especially right now during COVID, do you want your kid to get the COVID vaccine when it's available or not? How do you come to terms with that? And how do you make decisions when you disagree? Well, general marriage advice and general marriage life is it's a long conversation and typically Ethan and I figure it out. So the conversation of would we want Mia to go to public school, private school, or be homeschooled is a conversation we've had. And I am the one who's definitely more lenient about what I do in terms of her schooling. Um, I have myself done all three. I have myself um, been to public school, been to private school, and been homeschooled. So I can kind of see all of the... Uh, like what I thought about each and the pros and cons of each. And I will say that for each phase in my life, um, 
it was good for me. So I was homeschooled for some time in elementary school and I think it was good for me. I really struggled with math and having that one-on-one attention with my mom where I could kind of get that that real help that I needed was good for me. Uh, for private school, it was good for me for different reasons. I'm still pretty into my faith-based journey, um, my faith-based, into my faith journey in life. Uh, I went to Christian private schools. I will say that I'm glad that I ended up in public school because at the end of the day, that's where you come across people from different walks of life. And so there's a whole bunch of kind of different ways and things to approach uh, school. So anyway, when I got to uh, public school, that's when I, one, was interacting with people from different, like, cultures and backgrounds. And I mean, literally different cultures. I dated a guy from uh, Myanmar. And I'm talking, like, full-on, that's his first language. Uh, English was pretty decent, but not 100%. I dated a guy who was Mexican. I dated, well, I dated a black guy, too. But so, like, in, in high school... I really value uh, a public education because you're exposed to so much. And I can understand why for other people you might be against it because of that exposure. But just seeing how I ended up as a person, and I'm not trying to brag, but I've been like a generally generally like a good girl. Uh, didn't really go to parties until college. Never really drank until college. Um, never did any... I mean, like I did... like some bad things in life because it happens like as teenagers like you just do bad things I have skipped school once in my whole entire life but um in in middle school but uh the experiences that you get from public school education I think are valuable especially at the high school level um so I see like all of the the good and the bad and everything with homeschooling I wasn't a part of a group so it was literally just me and my mom and um, my siblings were there. They weren't school-aged yet. And I, you know, had my friends on the block. So, like, if you don't live in a place where your kid is going to have friends, you're going to have to work to make sure they have friends and learn some of the social stuff. And you don't want them to be too sheltered, you know, because life... You, My biggest thing with homeschool, and I'm glad that I ended up going to school, and I'm not against homeschool. I'm actually considering it. The, the biggest thing that I think is a challenge is if you don't allow your kid to have any exposure to anything, uh, it's better, in my opinion, for Mia and Elliot to get exposed to whatever they're going to get exposed to in the world, whatever they're going to get exposed to in college. While they live under my roof and I can address it, I can address, you know, if they know a friend who had tried some drugs, I can address it. If they saw somebody, I don't know, who was getting bullied, I can address it. And it's real life things that I can address at home. Whereas we could have conversations about that if my kids are homeschooled, but they won't see it or experience it or know how to deal with, like, how do you deal with rejection? How do you deal with um, conflict? And like things that um, 
school is really good for teaching. How do you deal with like the social aspect of life? And Mia is so social and so smart that she is somebody who I feel like needs to be in school on some level. And I'm fine with doing even like a hybrid program where she goes to school half of the time and is homeschooled half of the time. COVID has really made everything complicated, but in terms of our conversations like that, that's just an example of something where uh, Ethan and I have kind of talked about, and he feels very strongly about public school. His mom was a public school educator. He went through the public school system. He feels very strongly about public school, and um, I'm not against public school at all, especially like where we live. Like It's a great system. I'm a little bit nervous for different aspects um, for different reasons, but there's that. So I think that, yeah, the general advice is if one party is more passionate about the topic or issue that you kind of give leeway um, that way. But there are things like that you are not going to agree with, such as discipline. I think the kid should be punished for the kid for, um, you know, X amount of time. Versus, no, I think it should be longer, or I think we should also take away the cell phone or the iPad, or I feel like, um, are we going to allow our kids to have sleepovers outside of our house? Yeah, I feel like it's a part, it's a rite of passage versus, no, the world is a scary place, and I would rather, you know, as long as I can, and, you know, my job as a parent is to protect, is to not allow my kid to have a sleepover. Plus, she's just going to cry and want to come home, so, like, why even do that? Things like that. It is kind of like a a weird, um, a weird line. And uh, honestly, the conversation helps and it helps if you guys, that's why it's just easier in a marriage because we have mutual respect for each other and love for each other. So um, I can see his point. Whereas if we were not and we were not together, I would just hate him and say no to be spiteful. But don't do that. Don't say no to be spiteful. In fact, if you give in sometimes, they'll see like you're not a bad person. Speaking about differences, I want to touch on the big ticket issues or the big thing that's going on right now, which is politics and the election. So holidays are coming up and whether you like it or not, you're probably going to see your family in some capacity, even if that's virtually via Zoom or FaceTime or however it is. And it seems like a natural part of conversation is to bring up the election. People have mixed feelings about it. Obviously, um, my house feels one way because we all kind of, at least on my side of the family that I'm closest to, we all feel the same way for the most part. Um, but what do you do when someone has different views or opinions about everything that just went down and is going to happen? Well, my governor, who I love very much, Larry Hogan, was saying, like, people on either sides of the aisle need to drop it. We all need to move on. COVID is an issue. He said all these good things. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Everybody stop about party lines and just work for the American people. That's my thing. Forget party lines. Work for the American people. But realistically speaking, we all have hot topics. We all have like hot button issues that we feel passionate about. And that's typically where you fall. Like if you're very passionate, if you're very anti-abortion, you're going to fall one way. If you're very for climate control, you might fall another way. If you're for like whatever the cause is, 
usually a cause, like one cause is what really makes your divide. So, cause I'll say for me, I feel really passionate about a couple different topics and then I feel less passionate about others, but the ones I'm really passionate about could turn into a fight. So how do you handle all of this when they're dealing with a mixed bag? And a lot of times we villainize the other side and we think if you voted this way, or if you think this way, you're a bad person. And I think that's dangerous thinking. I think that when we take the humanity away from people and we villainize them, it creates unnecessary conflict. So it might be that you, I always say this, I always feel, I always feel this way and it's the wrong way to feel. I always feel like the other person that I'm fighting with just isn't educated enough about the topic and I need to like break it down for them. Um, but that, that might not be right. I could be wrong. I could be the wrong one. I don't know. But my biggest advice with everything going forward is to, if you don't want to have a conversation, honestly say, well, it is what it is. I just hope we can all move forward as the American people. That is my going to be my line. Unless someone is spewing hate or saying hateful things, then like I'm not going to engage into a full-on fight. Now, I do love political conversation, though. I do love a little bit of debate. Um, I do like it when things are a little bit heated. Like, I'm fine with that. I'm not uncomfortable there. There are some people who are. Um, my husband is someone who will get into it, but doesn't necessarily like the debate. And I'm someone who's like, bring it on. So anyway, <laughs> all I'm going to say before my dearest son wakes up is... Just remember that nobody's perfect and we're all entitled to our own opinions and we all really just have to move forward. If there is an issue that's really pressing, really important, very personal to you, I think pulling that person aside, whoever it is that you need to address and having a one-on-one conversation and saying like, hey, I hear your I hear how you feel about this, but this is my life and this is what's happened to me or this is what I've gone through and this is why I fall this way. And um, because a lot of times we take things really, really personally when it comes to politics. We feel like if this person does not agree, they are attacking everything I stand for. And sometimes they are. Sometimes that is the case. Um, But other times it is... It, it has to come with a conversation. And sometimes it's even better to to just uh, say your piece and just accept that they're going to be however they're going to be, but just love them anyway. Like we're called to love. And, um, you know, through love, I think that we can overcome all of the political tension. So my biggest advice is don't bring it up. But if you are going to bring it up, be prepared to back it up with facts, but also be prepared or at least try to be the calm one and realize that it's not an attack on you. And if it feels like an attack on you, then you need to voice that. Say, are you attacking, you know, it's a it's a whole complicated thing. So in terms of Thanksgiving, your one line should be, yeah, I hear what you're saying. But I think as the American people, we should just move forward together. And then you can just leave it at that. Okay. That's all I got to say about that. So the last thing I kind of was thinking about is um, how who you are as an adult and especially how you are as a parent can differ so much from who you were when you were younger. I was literally thinking about how my sister's getting ready to go to college next year. And I was thinking about 
um, you know, my first day going to college, my first, you know, year of college and all of those great experiences and how bright-eyed I was and how there was so much I wanted to do and be and how like when you are that age, when you're 18, 19, it's a beautiful age to be like bright-eyed and, you know, the world is your oyster. Um, and then, you know, years later, however many, well, at least, um, however many years later, um, now as a wife and a mom, how life just looks so different from, from how I originally wanted it, but I think it's better this way. And it always ends up being, better this way and if it's not you can always change it I remember I wanted to be an actress I wanted to be a teacher I wanted to be um a lot of things I changed my major so many times in college guys but as um a 27 year old life you know the world is still my oyster like I'm still relatively young I'm not um I'm not done I'm not 98 and even at 98 you can kind of do and be whatever you want to be so as I have kind of shifted um, and changed different careers and, you know, met my husband and settled down and got married and had kids, sometimes women and mothers can lose themselves in that. And I think a friend of mine posted, um, hey, moms, don't forget to find yourself again or that you are a person and you have your own dreams and your own plans that probably don't surround, you, you know, around your kids if you are an artist I mean like you might paint things that are like mostly you might paint your kids but you were a person before you had kids you are a person now and it's really easy to kind of sink into that mother role and the danger of that is that kids grow up and one day kids leave the house and you don't want to be left empty I think it's fine because I kind of have um as myself full-on, dove in full-on as a mom. It's a huge part of my identity. And I think once you're a mom, it will always be a huge part of your identity. Um, But there are things I am outside of being a mom and that will sustain me when my kids grow up. And my kids are um, three weeks old and two. So it's going to be a while. But I know the years go by and, um, you know, time goes by fast. And I'm very, very... Um, cognizant of the fact that, you know, these days are numbered when they're little. And I really try to take that in. And that's just like a reminder for mamas on rough days, like tantrums don't last forever. Well, they do because I throw tantrums now, but not like two-year-old tantrums. They're a whole nother level. And it, you know, your house won't always be a mess. And I look at my house and I, I saw this video and it made me cry. My friend posted it again and it was like a messy, it was like a beautiful home. And they were like, one day your house will look like this, but you'll miss the mess. One day you'll have peace and quiet, but you'll miss the noise. And I was just crying because I just love my babies and I don't want them to ever leave me. Right. But it made me like think back on, you know, my life growing up. And also, you know, I, I'm kind of like an outlier in my family because I'm like in a weird age where like I'm kind of young but I have kids and I'm married but not everyone uh, it's just a weird place and even in my friend group um outside of my mom group um I'm the one that has kids I'm the one who is married I'm the one who you know has a home to keep and 
it can feel like you're failing or you're not doing good enough when the dishes didn't get done or the toys are all over the floor again or whatever. The laundry hasn't been folded. And I'll tell you, today, Ethan folded the laundry and thank God because I've been struggling to fold it all week. Like I, every time I start, a baby cries and needs to have a boob or a two-year-old needs a something and it's like a lot. But like it won't always be hard and it it is really hard to remember that um days do get easier and I tell myself that now because having a newborn and a two-year-old is hard having a two-year-old is hard I think um toddlers are just hard newborns you know I always laugh about how hard I thought it was with Mia but it's not that hard they sleep a lot you can lay them down and start a load of laundry or do the like they sleep a lot or you can wear them and get things done. But when you have a newborn and a two-year-old, one is always awake, even if the other is asleep. Um, but I do remember, for instance, right now, the sleepless nights really get, there's some days where the exhaustion just gets to me, where I am crying and I'm emotional and I'm tired. And because when I'm tired, I'm extra emotional. Now I'm upset. The house is a mess. Now I'm upset about this or that. But I remind myself, like, one day he'll sleep through the night. Um, Mia sleeps through the night now. You know, one day it does end. One day you will not always have a baby in your arms. And um, as much as that's, like, a good and helpful reminder, it's also like, well, I'm going to hold my baby then because one day they do kind of leave your arms. And speaking of that, that just made me think of something else. So often moms have advice for other moms or moms criticize other moms or moms tell other moms what to do. And a lot of times it is moms who haven't been moms of babies in a while. Like mm, if you have not had a kid in the past mm, five years, I don't think you remember baby days perfectly. But whatever you worked for you may or may not work for someone else. So often uh, when you talked with other women, they want to instill some sort of wisdom on you. And I will say I'm thankful for advice and ideas that I didn't think about. I am thankful. Like when I had Mia and I wasn't thinking to wear her and my aunt was like, oh, well, have you tried using a wrap and wearing her? That was great advice. Then I started doing that and my arms became free and I'm a big baby wearer now. Like there's good advice out there, but there's also like annoying advice. And if you're a new mom and even now I feel like a new mom again because there's so much that goes on with newborns that you have to remember. And I have a boy now instead of a girl, so there's a whole boy part to deal with, but um just listen to your gut and do what feels good because that's the only way to do it. I know moms who have tried to give me advice on sleep training and I'm sure it worked out for them in the long run. But what has worked out for me is not really sleep training and letting us co-sleep and do our thing that way. And honestly, I sleep better at night, you know, with my kids next to me. That's just the way it is. I know he's breathing. If he cries, I'm right there. Like, there's so many aspects of it. Um, Co-slept with Mia, and all was fine. So I feel like when it comes to advice, you have to trust yourself. I heard people say, 
don't hold the baby all the time. You're going to spoil them. They'll never want to be put down. Mia's too. She doesn't want to sit on my lap for a long period of time. Yeah, she still comes to me and wants to cuddle sometimes. But mm, yeah, eventually she will be want to be put down. Yeah, I don't remember what age she was fine sitting by herself. But all I know is she's two now and I don't have to hold her. So hold your babies. Those years, those days, those weeks, those months go by fast. Um, the other thing is you can't baby a baby. If your baby is crying, trying to teach them to wait, they're babies. They don't know what it is to wait. They are crying because they're hungry, tired, wet, cold. Those are the reasons they're crying. You don't need to make them wait unless like you literally have to like, oh, I have to pee real fast. I will pick you up as soon as I'm done. Um, so just like trust yourself and take every bit of advice with a grain of salt people will say you shouldn't co-sleep people will say you should co-sleep people will say if you you know you should pump people will say you shouldn't pump like whatever feels good for you do it and you will be fine if you need to give your kid a bottle of formula you know once a day or all the time for your sanity do it like no one is judging you and if they are I mean I guess people are judging you but Honestly, those judgments are preparing you for motherhood because people are always going to have something to say about you and how you do things, and you have to be confident in who you are and stand firm. Okay, and rant. So that's pretty much it for this week's episode. Next week is Thanksgiving, so you can look for an early release episode probably on Wednesday. Sorry for like the late release and like last week. It's just been super hectic, but we're back on schedule-ish in after the holiday next week we will be back to thursday mornings you can look and see this beautiful podcast but aside from that that's about it all right don't forget to rate review and leave a good comment on apple and spotify and i will see you guys next week bye